It's Saturday, guys. Time to get stoked. I've been thinking a lot about this verse in Matthew, and we're all familiar with it. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many times have you, or somebody you know, or a pastor, quoted it? And I feel like a lot of times that I hear this, it's in the context of physical rest. Like, man, I'm tired, so I need to lay down or do something or I need to go on vacation. And, and those are all things that we do need to do. And when you think about the world that we live in and our physical interactions every day, the world can feel burdensome. And I'll be the first one to say that, especially now, things feel burdensome, right? It's almost like we need a rest from quarantine or a rest from the news cycle, a rest from the government and all those things. And we have the other pressures on us like, our local communities, our immediate families, our schedules and careers, and all these things that are in flux. And the influxness of it all can cause us to have a little bit of unrest and to not feel peace. All of it amounts to like this grand load that we have to endure, or like a mixed up map that we somehow have to navigate. And we find ourselves physically exhausted, even in the midst of a quarantine, which is crazy. But in this chapter and in this verse, What is Jesus saying here? What kind of rest are we seeking? And what kind of rest is Jesus offering? Have you ever wondered why Jesus says this in the middle of all these chapters? It's an interesting thought to consider. Here he's talking about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow him. The implication here that Jesus is talking about isn't about being physically tired. It's about the burdens of the Mosaic Law. The rabbis of the day, when they spoke about taking on a yoke, they were talking about taking on the yoke of the law. And this was what became burdensome for the Jews. The teacher, Jesus ben Sirah, who was, you know, generations before Jesus Christ, he used a similar invitation. And Jesus's hearers at this time when he says, come to me, they would have been familiar with it. But this Jesus ben Sirah, he wasn't saying, come to me. He's saying he was lifting up wisdom. And he was giving them small little works to do to achieve rest and find wisdom. So on the one hand, you have the rabbis of the land saying, take the yoke of the law upon you. And this was becoming burdensome. But then you have also other teachers that were saying, you know, here's some things that you can do to gain wisdom and find rest. So Jesus's statement here is a statement of authority. He invites the people to take his yoke upon them. And remember, a yoke is used in labor to make a load easy, easy to carry or easy to pull. But the yoke Jesus offers is not the law or the works. It is he himself. So amazing. He invites us to learn from his gentle and lowly heart. And so that makes sense in light of what he's talking about, of what it means to follow him. Come to me, follow me, Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, or lowly is another translation for it, of heart. Take my yoke upon you. 
I will help you carry the burden. When he says, I will give you rest, he's not saying, here, have a physical reprieve. Instead, he's saying, have some spiritual relief. It's not in the works that you can do for wisdom and to achieve rest. It's not in the law. This is a statement about salvation. When I reflected on this idea of spiritual relief, I think of the physical analogs in creation. I mean, think about the Sabbath and how God talks about rest and a place that you enter rather than a thing that you do. He himself is our relief from physical toil brought on by the decay of sin in the world and the burden that it brings. Jesus doesn't offer a band-aid here, but he says, have faith in me. I will give you the rest that you really need because I have overcome this burdensome, sin-laden world. Santa Fe Century ride. It's a 100-mile bike ride. It's held out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I mean, this was 20 years ago. And I did it because it was a fundraiser for the Leukemia Society. And early in the ride, I mean, probably around mile 20, we had to go (laughs) and we had to go up Heartbreak Hill. So think about this. You have a one-mile-plus super steep incline that you have to traverse on your bike and at the beginning of it you know there's a little on you can get off off your bike and you know you can fuel up with some bananas and oranges and there's people there encouraging you and so everyone gets off and you know you grab some water and then heartbreak hill is right in front of you and so we start on heartbreak hill and you know it's 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 going up slowly the incline is gradually getting steeper and then about halfway up it's really steep and people are getting off your bikes. And they tell you at the beginning, oh, it's okay if you get off your bikes. Don't worry about it. Everyone does it. And many people did. They got off their bikes and they were walking. And I remember just pedaling and going through it. And it was, it was super hard. But my race mate, who was my brother-in-law, Mike, who's a great, strong rider, he rode up beside me and he kept saying to me, we're not getting off the bike, bro. He kept saying that over and over, not getting off the bike, bro, not getting off the bike. And we pedaled together up Heartbreak Hill the entire way, and we didn't get off the bike. When we finally did pedal to the top, there was a young girl holding a sign, and the sign said, you can do it. And I learned that that girl, later on I learned this, that girl was a leukemia survivor. And at that moment, seeing her with that sign cheering us on, Right, My legs, they feel fresh, my back is strong, and my will is like ironclad. I had many miles to go and more hills to climb for sure, but I knew that I could endure it just from seeing her sign and the encouragement. 
She endured something far more difficult than Heartbreak Hill. She had actually overcome death itself. When I look back on that Heartbreak Hill experience, I feel like I experienced Jesus twice on that hill. And let me explain. The first one was with my brother-in-law, Mike. So in life, we can feel bogged down and heavy with toil, like we're constantly climbing Heartbreak Hill, right? But then Jesus rides up beside us. And what does he offer to us when he, when he does this? He doesn't say, hey, let's, let's get off the bike. No, no, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, we should just give up and take a nap. We want rest, right? Quit the race. We'll be fine. No, he doesn't say that either. But he does say, we're not getting off this bike, bro. <laughs> I will pedal right beside you. I'm pretty sure Jesus says, bro, just so you know. He rides with us through the toil and helps us up Heartbreak Hill. And then there was my Jesus moment with the young girl. The race was far from over, and I I knew I wasn't quitting because she had overcome so much. It was the least I could do to finish, right? And so when I look at the burdens of this world that make us want to step off the bike, like we can fall into despair, we medicate ourselves, when we want a physical reprieve like a vacation or literally to like lay down. But Jesus says to us, you can do it. Keep going. I have overcome the world and I myself am your salvation from the rat race of life. So think once more about Jesus' statement. Come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's not offering us a nap. He's not offering us some Gatorade. He is offering us himself. He's offering us to ride with us up Heartbreak Hill and to see the thing done. Why? Because he himself is our salvation and our rest. Stay stoked, my friends. <laughs>